This is Unclaimed Bands, show 113. Hey music listeners, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands, and tonight our guests are the Bloody Jug Band. And uh, with us is the lead singer, Kragmar. Welcome. Thank you for taking time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. Be uh, Oh, my pleasure, honestly. Uh, you happen to be our second, yeah, our second June winner from the Reverb Nation contest. Really happy to have great, you aboard, great. man. Uh, I don't get out of my hall here in Philadelphia too often, so it's great to hear band from. You guys are from Florida, right? Yeah, yeah. Central uh, Central Florida is where we're all based. Central Florida. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I'll tell you what. Before we get into the interview and get all the dirt and everything else like that and find out the interesting stuff, uh, let's let everybody out there listen to, to a song here. So, uh, what are we going to hear? I think the first song is going to be Murder of Crows. Murder of Crows is the title track off a new EP we released. Uh, not about murdering crows. It's what you call a group of crows, like a flock of seagulls. So, <laughs> see, enjoy. you learn something every time you tune in, people. See, it's it's yeah. We're trying to make people learn today. We're not we're not killing crows, you know. <laughs> All right, this is Murder of Crows. We fly 
All right, that was Murder Crows by the Bloody Jug Band. Quagmire, tell me just a little bit about that song, if you can. Well, the song was actually inspired by like old juke joints. Um, you know, when I was thinking like if a group of crows got together, uh, you know, it you know it's strange to be you're pondering in a different direction with this kind of song. People think a lot of our music is uh, you know it's all about zombies or something, you know. But as a songwriter, I do try to put thought and, and really try to tell stories, even though they might have thematic elements. So it was really about like the Jim Crow laws, people like what old, uh, like if you watch The Color of Money, when they go to the juke joint or Black Snake Moan or something, just the kind of party that they could have. They, you know, they all get together and almost raise the dead. And so that's really what the song is, is going to kind of a swamp cabin, getting everybody together and just, uh, you know, having a, a jamboree from hell, you know, basically. And, uh, and then obviously there's the crow element in there just to have some fun at the end. But, um, yeah, that's that's the overall gist of the song. Yeah, it's got a real good swampy feel to it. I mean, most of your music has that, has that nice, you know, kind of – kind of it's all, it's very palpable, you know, in the way that it comes across. Um, now, you guys formed in 2009, and i got to ask, how did you get an eight-piece band – band together where do you find people that know how to play like washboard or wash tub bass and you know and all those instruments like that i mean is that a, like a craigslist ad or uh, well you know uh, through the years certainly some of the members we have got have gone on uh, from craigslist but uh, it originally started i mean the catalyst let's just say if we we're taking it back is uh in central florida or just in general in this area you know i was born in the north but moved to the south and i was just surprised by all this influence of americana music uh, at the time alt country all these different things and there was quite a few people in the central florida area that were doing that kind of music and uh, it was also when Rev i went to see flogging molly and i saw reverend Peyton open up for him and just fell in love i think it was the first time i'd ever seen somebody you know play washboard live on a you know in a band on a big stage you know they're playing house of blues here with you know an opening over flogging molly on a big tour and a washboard breezy was playing the uh, washboard and uh i just thought oh that's cool man so i had some friends band so i so i picked it up and, and just kind of was messing around i would sit in with some friends bands but i just thought you know it'd be a really cool idea uh if i i would never had the i you know desire to start a band or be a front man i mean that was never my life's ambition per se maybe maybe when we were all you know 15 you know but um I never really put the effort for it, but I really wanted to do something different. And I thought, you know, a modern day jug band uh, with a little darker sensibility, because, you know, if you take roots music, blues music, all these things back, uh, even bluegrass, oh, back to their founding, I mean, there was really dark music. Mm. And I think people, like, they think that we're coming up with something new, and maybe we're putting a modern spin on it, but it really uh, goes back to that old roots based, blues based music, you know, made a deal with the devil, that kind of shit. You know, that's really where the vibe goes. And and uh, I was blessed to have a, a few friends that I originally wrote. Uh, Seth Funky is our bass player. Uh, he played five-string bass in a funk band, but I just I knew Seth was really talented, and I asked him if he would be up for the challenge of learning and playing washed-up bass, and we built a badass one with a pickup in it, the whole thing, and he does great. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of compiling it from there. I mean, it started out probably as a four or five piece band, but just, you know, uh, when you don't have, we don't have a drummer or a full time, you know, somebody sitting in front of a kit. So we have to make up with that with the washboard. Uh, Big Daddy Germ plays Jug, but he also plays some percussion. And our newest member, uh, Baby Dingo, he's uh, 22 and plays a, a cajon, a box drum. And really, so all of us kind of playing together with the rhythm guitar. It was really you know, it, it's really uh, an interesting mix of people uh, to get a well-rounded sound. You know, it takes—it almost seems like it takes more of us to create a big sound. You know, you can almost get a three or four-piece, 
you know, classic rock cover band, you know, and they, 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 you don't at least bring the big sound. They've got the big amps and all the shit for us. Everything is a little bit more, uh, you know, we're, we're miking and we're, we're powering acoustic based instruments. And so we have to try a little harder to fill that and put on the big stage show. Um, but, you know, it's also it gives us a lot of versatility as well. We can do a lot of different things. And uh, we're blessed that all eight of us come from very different backgrounds. None of us grew up and went to high school together. Or, you know, I mean, we all come from all different walks of life. So the fact that we all came together really was a, you know, a serendipitous thing that we all totally believe in what we're doing. Uh, to love to serve our roles. You know, most people don't want to be the other person. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick, you know, bloody Rick Lane plays harmonica. I don't want to play harmonica. You know, he didn't want to sing. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where we all serve our role really well and stick to that. And, and, and that, I think that makes us shine, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, um, you know, and just listening the the songs that you sent over to me, um, and, and I sampled a bunch of the other stuff uh, on online as well. Um, you definitely, you know, I mean, I've heard, you know, traditional jug bands and stuff. You guys have definitely put a good spin on. It. I think you're you're bringing it more to the forefront, if if I could say, because I think I think that most people or younger people might hear not all of them because they're not all ignorant and lost on pop music, but I think a lot of them would listen to traditional jug bands and think, like, oh, I don't know, yeah, it's kind of cute, whatever. But you guys got a real uh, real good groove there, and to know that I, I kind of agree with you, you, could, you couldn't get that sound out of a out of a smaller set, not without a, a lot of work. So having eight people, it definitely serves its purpose, and it's great that you guys don't have any have any jealousy infighting. Uh, you know, well, I think that, that was the that was one of the things we learned early on. I mean, we'd play with big bands, Old Man Markley, and we know Joe Buck. We'd open with uh, for a lot of bands, and they would just you know they would go, "Man, you guys really need a drummer. If you just had a drummer, you would be blah blah blah." And we you know never wanted to fully do that. So for us, because I feel like when you do the drum kit, then you're in league with every other. You're just a band, you know. I mean, we're trying to be really unique with what we do. So we try to, you know, uh, you know, Germ plays uh, some some buckets we got. A guy makes these custom playable buckets we get, and uh, you know, uh, color drums. You know, uh, they're wow. good by us. And um, you know, any of this kind of shit. So for us, we're trying to like really toe that line to stay traditional, but also. You know, we cover everything from Motorhead to Merle Haggard to, I mean, that's just, even on the cover sets, but even if you listen to the albums, um, you know, Coughing Up Blood, you know, we do, you know, a, a lot, of, we take people on a lot of different places, so we don't like to repeat ourselves, even the new album we have coming out, it, we're trying to not repeat ourselves if we can avoid it, you know, we're always trying to forge new ground, um, and, and you even mentioned other listeners, you know, it's cool to be us in the sense that on the last time we had a lot of mandolin, uh, this new album, uh, Steve, our lead guitar player, also plays banjo and slide and everything on the album, mm. so there's some banjo, even in Murder Crows and Wanted Man in Hell, the other song we're going to listen to, there's some banjo in there, but it's not like you wouldn't think of it as a bluegrass song. And so we're no, able to no, inject these other instruments. I mean, it's not a blues band, but we have a harmonica play. You know, so it's all that kind of shit. Like it, it, people, I think sometimes stereotype instruments too much. Yeah. And so by being able to kind of uh, cross genre the music with these instrumentations, uh, it, you know, it's a pigeonhole too because sometimes it bites us in the ass. It's we're a very hard band, even for myself after five years. It's a very hard band to label or to go. We sound like you know. Every every fucking booker, everything you submit, they want you know. What do you sound like? What is this? What is? And it, it's very tough. It's not that we're full of ourselves. It's just that it's, we don't. No. We really try to be as original as possible. And so it's tough to like now try to forge new ground and go. Oh, now we sound like X, Y, and Z because even though I love Herbert Payton and Hank the Third and all or whoever the hell else, um, 
we don't sound like any of them, nor do they sound like us. So it, it's kind of a, uh, so sometimes when, you know, it, for us getting gigs with the name and the vibe and stuff, sometimes people don't know where to put us. Mm -hmm. But then when the right opportunity comes around, it's sometimes that much sweeter because we get gigs that other people, you know, we could headline the zombie con, you know, a huge festival or big, you know, convention and do all this shit. And we can also be in these other things, but it's it just, sometimes it's a blessing and a curse because uh, there are limitations for being, the bloody judge sure, at time. Sure. You know? But I mean, I certainly, uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we, we started the show because we never wanted to say to someone, well, they sound like this. I'm never, ever going to utter those words. You want to know what they sound like? Here's their music. And that's, that's the way we, we yeah. pick them. And, and you guys are just incredible. I really loved what you, what you guys are doing. Um, oh, I who, appreciate that. Who would you say, you know, growing up, uh, what, what influenced you the most music wise? Who influenced you the most? When I was growing up, it was, I was really into punk music and folk music. So it was like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, like the, the, the Sex Pistols and the Ramones and that kind of shit. But probably even uh, the next generation of punk that came after the Pennywise and, and some of that stuff I was into. Uh, but also I loved like Bob Dylan, Cat Stevens, and you got really into that shit. Um, nowadays, I think my, you know, Tom Waits is one of my, you know, I mean, as far as growing up and getting more into music, I mean, I didn't start the band until I was almost 30 years old. So it's not like, uh, you know, I had plenty of time to get music under my belt and, and really like you know, things. And, you know, so now, you know, I probably have more Tom Waits and Motorhead albums than anything else, you know, but I, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I, I'm open to any kind of music. I mean, I, I can find good parts, you know, especially when you work with a producer, or you understand music more. You know, I can respect music uh, from many different levels, even if I'm not, particularly a fan you know yeah oh yeah 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 absolutely you know uh, earlier in the interview you were talking about uh you know a lot of people just think you write about you know death or zombies or whatever but you, you know you're trying to craft uh you know uh, you know lyrics with some actual meaning behind them and everything else like that but where do you get your inspiration for your songs I think for me, I, I spent a lot of years uh, before I was into music. I was doing film, and so I think that I always I apply like a, a storytelling sensibility to it. So for me, it's always about you know it's it's the double entendres. We're saying this, but we're also saying this. Um, you know, a lot of our songs you know might have an interesting framework. So I, I like that. I like darker subject matter and the fact that I can tell a cautionary tale. Um, and then throw in some things that might, you know, if somebody's really paying attention, you know, I, I get my balls broke, you know, locally, you know, from the singer-songwriter guys that are the one-man band. But it's like, you know, I write my music, we write the music, we have, you know, I collaborate with band members and founding members and stuff, but it's mm -hmm. like, um, Stormy Jean and I collaborate a lot on music, you know, and write songs and stuff, but it's just, uh, you know, I, I just find it so much easier to write about something that I find to be, you know, intriguing or telling this particular tale versus singing about my own fucking, I went to the mall with my girlfriend and my heart hurts or <laughs> you know, we broke up. I mean, like, you know, moon bathing's on the old album and it's about, you know, lovers meeting in the, you know, under the moon, but, you know, they happen to be werewolves. So, hey, whatever. You know, nice. I mean, to me, uh, I just find it more interesting to have a little bit of a theme. You know, at the end of the day, we are musicians, and I take that shit very seriously, and I think we all do. But, um, you know, we're entertainers, too, man. You know, I see a lot of guys that are out there and badass, badass musicians, and you see them live, and they sit in their fucking sandals and T-shirts, and they play music, and they kill it, man. They're talented as hell. But, you know, we take our shit very seriously, too. Right? I want to be mm -hmm. an entertainer, and we want to paint a picture and really take our audiences on a, on a ride. You know, we're not here come the mummies or nothing, but, I mean, it's just, you know, but we do try to at least exude what we try to be every day, you know. Mm -hmm. 
I I totally get that. Um, you you uh, you briefly mentioned, and this leads me to my next question about you know you do covers of different different uh, bands and stuff. But on Coughing Up Blood, you did a, a cover, uh, an ACDC cover, if you want blood. Um, yeah. Why did you choose that one? And by the way, it sounds great. Bought it, love it. Uh, interesting twist awesome. on it. But uh, how did what made yeah, you choose yeah. that one? Uh, it's always tough choosing a cover. Uh, our first little demo we did, uh, Motorhead's uh, "Born to Race Hell" or something, you know. But you want to do a song that people kind of know, but it's not so played out. And so, um, I'm just a huge ACDC fan, and I think that's one of the uh, I don't say lesser known, but maybe the one that doesn't get enough credit. And I just love that fucking song. And it's one of the few covers we do. A lot of the covers that we do, I actually like our version better. I mean, we make, make it our own. Uh-huh. But, uh, that's a song I still love the original, you know, what they, you know, what ACDC did. But I and also, I mean, I think that it, we, we closed a lot of shows with that song for years. Just cause I think the idea of it, of, you know, if you want blood, you got it. Obviously, thematically to us, uh, ties in really badass. And, uh, and I, we have a different enough version that I think that gave us a reason to cover it. You know, we don't put our own stamp on it and we're just going to do a lesser version of something that is, is historic. Uh, you know, you know, I mean, just to cover a fucking Johnny Cash song to say you did it. I mean, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Like unless mm-hmm. you can really bring something uh, to the table, that's even on the new album. We have a new album coming out in a couple of months called rope burn. And we just started laying down, um, tracks. We're going to do a cover of, uh, man of constant sorrow, but stormy singing against gal of constant sorrow. And that's even that huge shoes to fill, man. Tons of people have covered that song, but we want to put a, again, our own stamp on it. Cause if I'm going to recreate what Bob Dylan or the soggy bottom boys or whatever, you know, union station did, there's no sense in doing it. Cause yeah. I can already go download that shit. So, um, so we're trying real hard with our producer, Justin Beckler to, uh, you know, come up with something different. I mean, the way we play it is a drop D and it's already different, but and stormy singing it is different because there's been a long time since a female sang it like that. But, um, uh, you know, we want to definitely bring a different variation. We're doing almost like a voodoo Louisiana tribal thing with it, you know? Wow. And so at least we're, we're, we're going to put our own stamp on it. Even if there's 18 versions and it's a public domain song, um, we're going to make sure that we put our own stamp on it or we won't, it wouldn't be worth releasing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell you what, uh, why don't we take a listen uh, to another song? What are, what are we going to let people hear this time? Uh, this one's called Wanted Man in Hell. Basically, a uh, cautionary tale about doing uh, deals with the devil and um, you know how that can potentially bite you in the ass or uh, make you a wanted man in hell. Uh, I love this song, man. I love it. I think they're going to love it, too. Awesome. All right, this is Wanted Man in Hell.
Want it, man in hell. Kragma, where's the best place for people to keep in touch with you and find out what's going on with the band? Um, I think at this point, you know, Facebook's probably the best because that's the most up-to-date, you know. Uh, but we are on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Twitter is the, the BJB. Facebook is front slash Bloody Jug Band. You know, the website's cool, you know, bloodyjugband.com, but it's not like that thing gets updated every day. Uh, we got a photo contest on Facebook. We do a post a face jug. I'm really into the face jug pottery kind of traditionally of where a lot of jug bands came from, the idea of playing a jug. And so there's a whole artist thing that we do that every Monday we post, uh, you know, face badass face jug of the week and so you know i think it's a little bit more fun uh if you're on the facebook you can you can keep up with the post and shit a little bit better now now do people enter that contest is that what you're talking the about contest? yeah did they enter that yeah 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 the very first uh which i don't you know recommend but the uh very first submission is a guy he went to hank williams hank williams grave and uh, put a sticker on the grave and took it. So the very oh. first contest, you know, contestant was that. And then another uh, dear fan of ours just went on a cruise and got a, a Mayan blood sacrifice ruin and got the sticker on that. And so, you know, people are right off the bat, people are shooting pretty hard for it. So, oh, uh, you know, it, it, we've always, we've always kind of done subversive marketing and taken photos and put them up on the Facebook. And we've had uh, fans for years send us new stuff we would just showcase them but i thought it'd be kind of cool to have a a contest and uh whoever wins gets uh a big you know bloody joe band prize pack with all of our hot sauce and shirts and that kind of shit but uh you know uh we're, we're sending people stickers and if they want to you know put them up you know the fact that i can have uh you know stickers in you know multiple countries and different things you know always uh makes us happy you know? oh sure sure but but did i hear you right did you say hot sauce we do have a hot sauce. It's, it's called Coffin of Blood, which is the name of the old album. It's made by Victor the Und- Victor the Undertaker at Halloween Hot Sauce, and uh, he actually makes Doyle. Doyle used to be in the Misfits. I'm a huge Misfits fan. That's probably another uh, one I didn't mention earlier. Was you know Misfits? I think thematically in the vibe of the punk and some of the storytelling, you know, obviously was an influence on me as well. But yeah. so he makes Doyle's hot sauce and he makes ours. He tells me that he makes them in his mortuary and he makes his hot sauce. But it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty badass, man. You know, uh, it's uh. Now, you know, can people find that and buy that on the website? Yeah, yeah, all, all of our stuff's on the website. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, you can get, you know, I have mini washboards we sell on there. We've got all kinds of shit, man. But the uh, a new ladies cut uh, corset tee we just posted. But yeah, one of our our our, uh, our favorite things is the hot sauce because we play a lot of events that are Americana, bluesy, biker, hot rod, you know, and and uh, everybody you know seems to really love hot sauce, even if they hate the band. You know, it's still good. You know, even if you don't like our music that you just heard, you know, it's still a tasty uh, hot band sauce. Was okay, you know, but yeah. the hot sauce was the way to go. <laughs> yeah, at least I remember. If you don't remember us that night, you'll remember us the next morning after you eat the hot sauce. Yeah, right. Uh, to date, what do you think is the biggest career moment the band's had? Say that again. To date, 
what do you think is the biggest career mo- uh, moment that the band's had? Um, I think one of the, the things that meant the most, maybe, is uh, uh, within a year of us being, I mentioned Reverend Peyton being a big uh, uh, band you know, to inspire us. Uh, initially, uh, within a year of us uh, being a band, we got to open up for them, and we got to call to be our relationship with them. So we've played with them now many times. They were just in Orlando, actually, a few weeks ago, and we played with them again. So uh, for me, like the idea of having somebody that you looked up to uh, from a musical sense, and they actually gave you the creative energy going the fact that you could build a relationship with them and actually play music with them and earn a respect i mean they have they take our hops off their uh their drummer is a big fan of our hops and takes it on the road with them and shit you know and so for me i think that's cool um the the other, the, you know, the other things are just you know what we do uh, of uh, you know we we've got our music at a lot of great album reviews our music's heard in about 15 countries now uh i mean i get guys from australia and all over the world uh we're very you know have a good following in the netherlands and germany area uh that's actually where our record label that uh, picked up the last label, uh, last album is from. We have a German record label and it's, you know, different scene over there. So the fact that, you know, you can, we can all be from Orlando and make our music and we still, you know, play a regional ball game and we'd love to tour more and do stuff. It's just sometimes logistically tough with eight people. Um, yeah. But for us to, you know, open up for some of these bands and play, play some of the bigger shows, uh, headline some of the festivals and do some, you know, some of the stuff. We were the closing night headliner of FMF this year at uh, the social and uh, which is a big venue in town. And so, you know, while, while Ed Kowalski or whatever the guy from live was playing is the, on the main stage, we were closing out the social and, and, and the, basically the last band of the night of uh, the whole festival. And so, you know, there's some, always some good opportunities, man, but, uh, but it's, it's more of the collaborations, you know, every time we work with a new artist, even if an artist does a, an album cover for us, or we put out a new music video, uh, we just have a, we had a photo shoot a couple of weeks ago with, uh, uh, Adam Arnali from, uh, uh, Zero Dark Cinema. The, um, yeah, every time we collaborate with somebody, it's fucking, it's like an adventure, man. So, you know, we're pretty much open for, you know, we just have a good time. We love to play music, but at the same time, it's cool to just collaborate and do different things. And every time we come up with something badass, that's like the new thing for the time. You know what I mean? That's gotcha. the new benchmark or the new high yeah. point. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it's tough to keep eight people, I think, invested. Um, you know, uh, you, you can't just, I mean, we, we play a lot all over the place, but I mean, you can't play in your fucking hometown, you know, every night of the week or whatever, you know, it's so, you know, we got to get out there and spread our wings. And, and sometimes it's sometimes the smallest shows. I mean, like this is a little tiny venue in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and the fucking place gets standing room only, and it's just the most amazing night with the audience. While you know you play some big fucking stage, it's a big festival, and it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. So it's amazing to see just the, the you know how fans uh, react to us, and maybe that's the other thing too is just how fans uh, they're so gracious to. Uh, it seems like the fans that really get what we do, they become instant cult fans, and really. Uh, we even got one fan that they're paying us to play their wedding and they're changing the whole colors wow. of their wedding. They're in their, you know, they're adults, you know, and they're getting married, I guess their second time. And, you know, they're, they're changing the whole wedding colors, uh, to black and red. So the bloody jug band can be their, their wedding band, you know, <laughs> uh, and knowing that we're not going to play any wedding music, you know? And, uh, you know, so just to even have kind of a fun opportunity like that, you know, you gotta take the, it's gotta, you gotta love to do it every day or you're going to end up, you know, not, standing the test of time oh yeah yeah absolutely now you're working on the new record rope burn and that's supposed to be out in 2014 late 2014 somewhere around that you're shooting for um between yeah it's going to be uh, probably uh, uh august september sometime in there oh okay so we ain't got that much longer to wait that's good that's good between the first record and this record um what do you what do you think you've learned that, that influenced making the record 
Well, I, you know, there's things that I think that, because we never really worked with a producer before. When we did like demo or demo thing, we have our little demo CD first drops and other things. Uh, you know, we kind of just did it on our own. We went ahead and had our friend that would could engineer it and do stuff. I think working with a producer, you know, there's things that we did on the first album that to us at the time, it felt like we were taking chances. To look back, I think that we didn't take enough chances. And so on this new album, I think that, you know, like, as I said earlier, you, you know, in an effort to not repeat yourself, you also explore other avenues and maybe take more chances. I know in the new album, like vocally, um, I, I'm taking a lot more chances as far as what, how I'm singing versus the last album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Stormy Jean and I, and we're always pushing ourselves. Um, I think every musician, uh, Steve and, and uh, Dingo weren't on the whole last album. So now they introduce these new instruments. Instruments and like uh, uh, Steve, I mean, he can play pretty much anything you put in front of him, and he's just such a vir- virtuoso that when you have a guy like that, you can do so, like the whole the fucking floodgates open. You know, we used to have three guys you'd have to call in to kind of come and play this stuff, and you got to have one guy that can pretty much do it all. <laughs> uh, and then Brian Shredder, you know, Adam, uh, Brian Shredder now plays uh, rhythm guitar on the album and plays mandolin. So. I don't know. I think it's just experimenting more, trying to push ourselves, and uh, also realizing that we don't have to uh, fit into any sort of formula, you know, uh, to not pigeonhole ourselves to a specific. Yeah. Like we're going to do this thirteen times in a row. You know, it's like let's give them something else, and you know, it's got to be. A, I think any album, especially to have thirteen songs on an album like our old and the new one are going to be. That's a lot of music, man. And it, you know, you, we want to. One of the best compliments we've ever got is that people can just put the coffin of blood album in, in the CD player and just play through it and have it start over and i mean it's like it's not it, there's enough music that you can take you on that journey it's not like oh there's two gems in that song in the, in the album and the rest of it is unlistenable which is how a lot of i guess popular music is these days, yep you know? yep unfortunately it is uh but uh you know from what i heard of your stuff it's it's not like that at all you, you guys aren't you aren't fitting yourselves into a too tight a cage there um well look we're gonna wrap things up here and uh last thing i just wanted to know is uh, is there anything you want to say to your fans out there uh, just that we appreciate them, you know. Uh, you know, one of the best things we can do is, is have the fans that we do. I mean, they're really what keep us doing it. Uh, you know, people from the outside, they see the show, they see the look and the vibe, they think it's a spooky, you know, we're all, you know, serial killers. And even though we might be serial killers on the weekends, you know, at the same time, we really, really love people. We love the interaction we have with the fans. And ultimately, just their support is what, uh, you know, makes it so rewarding. You know, I mean, it's great to be an artist, but you can't be an artist in a vacuum. You know, we can we can write music our whole lives and play it in my living room and have practice, but it's getting out in front of people and playing it and having them really respond to it, um, be it if they're at a live show or they're just listening, you know, on the radio or they're, you know, they're going to the website or whatever. You know, to us, the things that people have said about us, uh, it really moves me. And, you know, it, people these days are such, you know, motherfuckers that when they, you know, nobody's got to do anything that they don't have to do. And so when yep. somebody takes an extra moment to say something nice or to stop us at a show and say, you know, how much, the, you know, whatever it meant to them, uh, you know, that to me is uh, uh, certainly appreciated. And, and so, you know, that's what we'd want the fans to know is, uh, we, you know, we definitely respect them and, and appreciate everything they do for us. Nice. Nice. Well, everybody, uh, Greg Meyer, I want to say thank you for taking time to do the interview. I really appreciate it. And uh, I yeah, love what yeah, the Bloody Jug Band is doing, We greatly appreciate man. the exposure. Yeah, we greatly appreciate the exposure and thank all the fans for listening. Uh, well, everybody, um, this is Sean from Unclaimed Bands. My guest tonight has been Craig Meyer from the Bloody Jug Band. Uh, definitely make sure after you listen to this interview, you can go check out the rest of their music. And uh, tune back in for more shows from us and, you know, hopefully we'll bring in what you like. So, later, everybody. 
statements, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those individuals and in no way reflect the views of any band, its parent company, or subsidiary.